Welcome to the Mountain Podcast Home Study. For the next eight weeks, pastors Tim and Samuel will be exploring an interactive home study on marriage and family. So gather your families as you listen to this week's study. Well, welcome to our first marriage podcast. We're doing an at-home podcast series where you can, together with your spouse and family, or even if you want to get a couple of others together to go through this marriage study, we're going to give you some tools and resources that we can share with you to give you the flexibility. Sometimes people aren't able to um, get a night of the week where they can be a part of a home group. So we wanted to give you some tools and resources so you could do a group at home, kind of a DIY concept that you do it yourself or you could do it together. And so we're going to be talking about marriage. And for this first week, I wanted to talk about the foundation of marriage. We're going to be talking about leaving and cleaving, uh, which is part of the design that God built into marriage. And as a foundation, we always want to look at the fact that God designed and created marriage. As a matter of fact, it was part of the original creation. It wasn't a man-made construct. It wasn't something that came up further down the line. It wasn't something that society put in place uh, as a control mechanism. Marriage is actually a covenant relationship that God designed and created. And it's hard to say when you look at it, uh, which part of it came first. Like, were we created for a relationship in marriage or was marriage created for us? Because when God created Adam, there was no marriage. And when he looked down and said, hey, that's not good. That guy's running around alone. He needs supervision. He needs help. He needs something. <laughs> and he created Eve. Then he says, for this cause in Genesis 2, 24, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined. And the KJV says to cleave um, to his wife and they shall become one flesh. That was part of the original design of marriage. And we're going to look today a little bit about leaving and cleaving and what that's supposed to look like. But this leaving and cleaving was a part of God's original design and purpose for marriage. And I always like to go back to the fact that family was the very first institution that God created on the planet. Um, before the law was given, before the tabernacle, the temple, before even the church came along, God created a family and he worked through family. And marriage was to be the cradle that was to catch children that came as a result of a love between a husband and a wife, their married love, their physical connection, that intimacy that they would they would come into. And Jesus even added in Matthew 19, 4, when he was asked about marriage, he was asked about divorce. He answered and said in Matthew 19, 4, have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. It's interesting to me that Jesus connected the creation of two separate distinct genders to the cause and the purpose for marriage. He said, for this cause, what cause? He made them male and female. And we live in a world in a society today that's trying to completely blur and erase the lines um, uh, between genders, between what is a family construct? What does family look like? What makes up a family? Well, God at the very beginning gave us a really firm foundation of what family is. It's a husband and a wife that lead to children. And that's why I believe he said, be fruitful and multiply, you know, subdue the earth, have dominion over creation and expand, like grow, growth, family is growth. And that's part of God's design. Today, specifically, we're looking at the aspect of leaving and cleaving. And it's interesting that God had inserted in scripture, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother. Well, Adam and Eve didn't have fathers and mothers. 
you know, God created them. That was the very start. But it was important that God put in here, we leave father and mother and we cleave to our spouse and we become one with them. So there's a principle here, I believe, that's very foundational to marriage. And anyone that has walked in marriage understands that there's this kind of awkward phase of, hey, I'm, I'm pulling away from my family. Uh, they're still my family. They're still mom and dad. But now I have a spouse. I have a mate. I have a husband or I have a wife. And we're creating our own family unit, our own household, our own goals and plans and future together. So there is a re very real aspect that we have to kind of pull away from what we grew up with. And that doesn't mean... Uh, we reject them. We don't talk to them anymore. We're not allowed to associate. It's not that kind of leaving, but it's a fact of I'm going to prioritize my mate over my former family relationships. And they're still mom and dad. They're still brother and sister. They're, they're still my family. We'll visit. We'll still be close. We'll still love. Um, but there is an aspect of I, I set those to the side so I can focus on the one that I've joined, that I'm becoming one with, one flesh that, that intimacy of husband and wife, that covenant that we're building together in marriage. And the cleaving part is that part of becoming one. And that cleaving, the word cleave actually literally means to cling to or to overtake, to follow hard after, like you're sticking close to them. And it also entails the word to remain. But in other words, I'm committing to remain with you throughout all the ups and downs in life, all the things that come our way. My commitment to you is that's why we used to say in, in wedding vows, till death do us part, you know, and one of the few things that would violate that commitment, that intimacy, that oneness is uh, infidelity or adultery or, you know, abuse, ne neglect or abandonment, because it is such an intimate journey. It's part of the foundation of what God created for marriage. So. There are several different aspects to this where um, you could have a family where maybe they were really close knit and daughter gets married or son gets married and um, they want to just come along for the journey in, in everything. And they got an opinion about everything. And I don't know about you, but there are those places where we kind of have to draw boundaries of, okay, thanks, but we're going to kind of figure this out on our own now. Like, uh, we're going to get together and pray about it and talk about it. And, and we have to decide what's what to do best uh, for our family. You know, it, it's important to let your spouse know that their opinion matters more than mom and dad's opinion. Even if you're in a disagreement, even if you're in a place where you don't see it eye to eye, that is the promise of leaving and cleaving. And that word remain, I really wanted to camp on that for a minute, because when Jesus said in John 15, four, abide in me, and I in you, that is that word remain, to abide, to stay with, to, to be connected to in an intimate way. It's like in a sense of drawing nourishment from or drawing um, energy from. That's what Jesus called us to do. He says, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And that, that aspect of remaining in marriage, hey, I'm going to stay connected to the white the heart of my wife. I'm going to stay connected to the heart of my husband so that we can draw from one another energy. We can draw from one another, love, encouragement, strength. We can draw from one another insight, revelation, wisdom. We, we commit to that relationship above all others. And sometimes that gets tricky uh, when the relationship gets strained or there is disagreement or life just happens and you feel like, what are we doing? Uh, I, I don't know about you. And I'm, I'm going to I'm going to draw Sam in uh, to the discussion right now because uh, we both have marriages. Yes, we do. Um, and I, ours is 28 years old this year. 
Wow. It's been a little, it's been a little bit of time and we've had some ups and downs and there was a point in the middle where we thought, I don't know if this is going to make it. Yeah. Our marriage might not survive. Yeah. And there are these places in life where you just have to step back and go, okay, how do I cleave through this? Mm. Uh, how do I leave in this situation? What does that look like? And we've had to kind of define mm. uh, what that looks like. And I, you've been in ministry for some time. I've been in ministry for some time. In addition to our own marriages, we've dealt with people who have their marriages and yeah. we've seen all kinds of different scenarios. Yeah, uh, I've seen scenarios where one spouse had to go to their parents and say, Hey, uh, I, I need you to back off a little bit. You know, we're trying to figure this out. Hey, we love you. Still love you. Still love Appreciate you. <laughs> you, but, um, we got to figure this out Yeah, and give us some space. Uh, I had uh, one young husband tell me he had to, um, uh, go to his dad and say, dad, um, she doesn't want you in here while she's giving birth. Yeah. Because she felt kind of awkward about that. And, and there, so there, there was this, Hey, I gotta, I gotta draw a line here. Um, she like, loves you, but I feel like that shouldn't have to be communicated. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> sometimes we have to help with the leaving for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and it creates these awkward situations where we have to have these conversations, but because they're committed to their spouse and protecting and covering their spouse, they're willing to tell their father, Hey, uh, yeah, we're going to have to have you step outside till, yeah. till the baby's here and then you can come in and see it. Yeah. Because the commitment is to the spouse first. Yeah. You can just see the dad. He's at the door with his ear on the door, just <laughs> waiting. <laughs> You're doing great. <laughs> Keep going. Dad, there's a new boundary. You got to be <laughs> 10 feet from the door. You're not allowed to talk. No talking. <laughs> so there's so many different scenarios that can come up in, in the marriage dynamic, in the family dynamic about leaving and about cleaving. But it's and, interesting the way you brought it up, that it's not a one-time act. Right. That when you're married, you have the conversation, leave and cleave, but that it's actually an objective and a goal and an expression that you'll carry throughout. Um, and a lot of times we relate it to family. Um, yeah. But I think it maybe even a, a healthier, fuller picture is you're leaving like the historical context of what you've leaned on, what you've served. You're, you're leaving all of those things to redefine your entire world Absolutely. around this person. Yeah. And, and it's like... In a marriage, you have to figure out what, what do we stand for? What do we stand on? Like, what is the purpose of our lives? And the reason we started with this prospect of leaving and cleaving is because it's going to affect every other area. It's going to yeah. affect your sex life. Mm -hmm. It's going to affect, you know, your work life, your goals, your, your family goals, how yeah. you parent, your finances. So when you come out of what you grew up in, I always talk about marriages like smashing two lives together because you've got these two individuals who grew up in different households yeah. that come together to create their own household. And then there's this potential for conflict of, well, that's not how we did it at our house. Yeah. Well, we got to figure out how we're going to do it in this house. Yeah. I had our mentor who did our marriage counseling said he grew up in his house with well, women took out the trash. Grandma, mom always took out trash. His oh, wife. Hallelujah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> His wife grew up in a home where the men took out the trash. So yeah. when they got married, like for a couple of weeks, they're looking at each other like, are you going to get that? <laughs> and there was this confusion, just simple little things like that, let alone managing the heart. Yeah. Managing the bigger relationships yeah. come along. So when you're smashing these two lives together and trying to yeah. figure out how is it going to be, mm -hmm. that's the commitment to the cleaving. Like, okay, yeah. we are going to become one and it means we need to figure all of these things out. And part of the leaving is laying down those, well, this is just how it should be. Cause that's how I grew up. Yeah. 
Well, no, this is a whole new world. You're leaving historical precedents. Exactly. It's like there is no precedence anymore. Lay down your traditions. Yep. No one gets to lean on precedents. <laughs> this is a new way, new path. Uh, and sometimes it will pull from wise precedents. Yes. But that's in conversation. That's an agreement. Yes. Yeah. And and it's not something that is imposed, but it's something that you come to together and say, mm-hmm. yeah, I think this will work for us. Yeah. Let's continue that. Or- Let's do it this way because it works better in our situation. Yeah. And this, like I said, affects if I'm becoming one and cleaving to my spouse, then uh, my choice of job assignment, my work hours, like if I take a promotion or a new responsibility at work, it's going to affect the home and family. Yeah. Uh, They're involved in this decision. Like it's not about my trajectory Hmm. or my career. It's about what we're doing as a family and how are we going to manage this? Yeah. You know, and you did it in the middle of your marriage, you exercise the leaving and cleaving practice in the middle of your marriage when you were at a crisis point. Yeah. What did that look like when you're in the middle of your marriage, exercising that leaving cleaving mindsets and practice? Yeah. It was actually a redefinition of the entire relationship. Mm -hmm. It was one of, it was one of those places where, uh, what we had lived through what we had lived in and what we had, um, worked upon actually, was redefined into what we felt like God had for us because I, you know, I grew up with a lot of tradition and you grew up in a family of faith and, um, had some religious mindsets and overtones. And then I had my own brokenness. Mm -hmm. And then in the middle, when everything got redefined, there was a recommitment to, I am going to surrender my life to this relationship above all else. Yeah. Like it's God. And then this relationship. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I think when marriages hit those rough points, we have to reevaluate and recommit, basically go back to those marriage vows. Yeah. Yes. I will love, honor and serve you in love mm-hmm. for the rest of my days. Yeah. I will place you in a higher place of value than any other person on the planet. I will like commit myself to this. Yeah. It's interesting there. There's a, an apparent power dynamic in this too. Cause if the man thinks that the woman should exercise this leave and cleave mentality, and, and just leave all to cleave to his way. Right. Then there's an imbalance there and there's an inappropriate power distribution. Exactly. And the same thing, vice versa. Yeah. If the woman thinks this way that you're going to come towards me, you're coming to my world. Neither one of those perspectives are healthy. No. The healthiest perspective would be. You're creating a world together. You're creating this life together. Like you're, you're building on the foundation of God and creating this household together based on your personality, your strengths, you know, you bring your fit. That's why, you know, the Bible talks about not being unequally yoked because faith is a huge foundation for home and family. Yeah. So if, you know, it doesn't mean you have to have total agreement on everything. Yeah. You know, I think my wife still likes Coke better than Pepsi. Yeah. And I, I'm trying not to be bitter about that, but. <laughs> Uh, you know, when we got married, she liked country music and I was like, ah, <laughs> but to give person, the person the flexibility to be who God made him to be. Yeah. But there are enough things that are unifying mm-hmm. that we are in agreement on. Yeah. Uh, and to navigate those places of disagreement to come to two. Okay. What are we going to do? We both disagree on this kind of important issue. Country music or not. Right. So, you know, early in my marriage, I would be like, no country in my house, no way, not ever. (laughs) Now I would be like, whatever makes you happy, baby. Yeah. I think that's a country song. Probably. Yeah. (laughs) But thank God, I think she grew out of that. And so we still don't have country music in the house. But 
<laughs> she got deliverance. She got deliverance. I actually went the other way. I was no country. <laughs> and then the other day I listened to it and I go, why do I like this? And I think I realized, um, peer pressure. <laughs> well, no, I was fighting the battle so long and everyone stopped fighting me about it. And I think when there's no battle left, I was oh, just like, I actually enjoy it. This is not a, there's no counterculture against the grain thing position to take here. I've eliminated all of my enemies and, uh, <laughs> I like it now. <laughs> It's funny. <laughs> and see, that's another thing. That That's another aspect. When we get married, we're 28 years married. We are not the same people that said I do 28 years ago. Not even close. So part of the commitment is yeah. I'm going to stick with you in this journey Yeah. when you change, mature, and grow. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, they get married, and this is what they thought when they got married. And when their spouse or mates begins to grow or change in some aspect, fear comes in. Mm-hmm. You're not the person I married. Well, no, and neither are you. Yeah. I mean, that's how God designed it. We grow together. Mm-hmm. We expand and we increase together. Mm-hmm. And and so as life comes and new things happen, like I've learned so much from the time I got married till now. Yeah. Um, I think even some aspects of my personality are different. Even my kids have commented on it mm-hmm. in a positive way. <laughs> Dad doesn't look mad all the time. Like he laughs more, like just those sorts of things. But even some of my tastes and preferences or, or um, even some of my beliefs have changed and grown over the years. So when we commit to each other, it's for a lifetime. Yeah. Like wherever this train goes, uh, I'm going to stay hooked up and we're going to try to work through just about anything that comes down the road. Yeah. That's really interesting. Those, those individual changes that take place can be really disruptive to the partnership. Yeah. And it, it almost seems as though you try and you try and come into agreement on major life changes for sure. Um, so any directional stuff, destination stuff, you really try and have conversations together and right. agree on together. When Jess and I became the pastors at the mountain, we made sure there was agreement together. Right. I didn't tell her what God yeah. said. Babe, guess where we're going? Yeah. Yeah. So we, we, those are, and those are important and, and you, you, you strive for those, you aim for those for sure. But there's certain like individual changes that just start to happen. You start, somebody comes out of a cocoon, like Phoenix moments, resurrection type stuff, personal journey stuff starts to show up in the partnership. And sometimes if somebody went from a place of being like very, uh, very codependent, sometimes that actually made the other person not truly understand how to be married to their wife in freedom. Right. So they got used to that person always picking up after them, always da da da, always exactly. da da da. And then they're like, well, what's, why is the house? And it creates <laughs> issues, but this person got free. Yes. I, mean, I, I got to pick up after myself. Right. right. Or whatever it looked yes. like. Right. You see this a lot. Like when children begin to leave the home Yeah. and you know, normally the wife is the one that's been home with the kids. You know, I know a lot of families, both, <laughs> both parents work, but in those situations where there's a lot more freedom now, I've seen where wives want to explore. Maybe they want to go back to school. Maybe they want to pick up a new career or a job. And it brings fear. Like, wait, this is not what we've lived through through the entire time our kids were growing up. And now you want to do what? Like, yeah. it, it can bring this place of fear because of change. Yeah. But one of the things that I recognize when we hit our midway point and, you know, almost crashed and burned, I made a determination that I was going to try to support my wife in whatever she felt God had designed her to do and be. Yeah. Like I was, whatever I can do on my, and my part, whatever I can do with my strength, my energy, yeah. I'm going to help support you and, and help try to make this happen yeah. with you. Yeah. And I think before that point, 
that probably would have brought up a lot of fear and angst in me. It would have felt like she was pulling away, like she's getting independent, like, you know, we're not doing this together. No. Love ought to try to allow the other person or help the other person become everything God designed them to be. Yeah. And whatever that looks like. And when we agree on those journeys and we agree on those things and, and we have to continually um, revisit those places. Yeah. Because sometimes I think we can set out on a journey and we have these goals and we're together in it. But as life happens, sometimes distraction comes in. Yeah. Uh, maybe it becomes too important. Like it's become more important than the relationship. Yeah. So we have to go back and revisit. Okay. Why are we doing this? What's the goal? Yeah. Are we still doing this together? Like, yeah, we have to continually revisit and reaffirm what it is we're doing. Why and how it's a together thing. Yeah. And that togetherness, if we're to define how to accomplish it, I don't think it should be seen as my way or her way or his way or her way right. exclusively. But I think there's that third way mentality that we should always have, right. which is between the two of us, we're trying to find the heart and the will of God yeah. for each other together. Exactly. And, and that is a, that's a third party mentality that I think is important. Otherwise it's, it's a power leverage game right. trying to get you my way or me your way. And then I feel defeated. You feel victorious or I feel victorious. You feel right. defeated. But if we're, if we're looking yeah. for something that is not native to either one of us, wisdom, godliness, then it's a, it's a discovery journey together that it's a discovery journey together. That's exactly beautiful. And I think that's why even in God's design, if you look at the way men and women communicate almost completely different. Yeah. If you look at the way men and women relate to one another, Almost completely different. Yeah. Um, you look at the bedroom. You look at uh, a married sex life. There are like different approaches and different things. Like we have to figure out how to navigate, how to communicate, how to work together. And I think that's intentional in God's design. Yeah. Uh, because if they thought exactly the way that I thought, or if everything worked for them exactly the way it worked for me, we wouldn't have to work together. Yeah. Like it would just be a, you know, unthinking automatic, but God's like, no, no, I want there to be cooperation. I want there to be heart to heart. I want yeah. there to be, you know, you learn to work together, how to overcome and how to work through these things and how to make it what it should be. So I think that's part of the journey. And I think it used to frustrate me. And I think a lot of marriages hit these places of frustration. Like, I don't even know how to talk to you. <laughs> well, I think that's part of God's design. We have to learn how to communicate in a way that their heart can receive. You know what I mean? And sometimes when you're talking and they're like, I don't understand. And it's like, I don't know how else to say that. <laughs> I don't know what other words to use to communicate what I'm trying to communicate to you. And they're like, no entiendo. So why more have, words, less words do <laughs> trick. <laughs> we have to learn how to speak a language that their heart can receive uh -huh. and vice versa. Like yeah. we, we do that for one another and that commitment rather than just staying in the frustration of this is hard. I don't think I want to do this anymore. You know, maybe single life wasn't so bad. No, that no, it commitment, was. it was, <laughs> it was as bad as you remember in words. Yeah, a, that commitment is what keeps us growing together and, and yeah. keeps us in that cleaving, remaining, abiding place. Yeah, that's really powerful. And, and we, we choose to move towards one another so that we can together accomplish a, a godliness, a, right. a heart after God, a mind after Christ. And, and I, and I think that should help people's pride in marriage Yes, is that you're, you're yielding to God and you're surrendering to God and that'll cause you to, to serve your, you know, I, I think wife, because obviously I have a wife and I, so I think in those language and terms, but 
when you have great humility with the Lord, he leads you to humble paths in marriage. Yes. Things that would be surprising that you even took that path on. So be careful not to say, I will never, I would never. Right. In things that are arrogance things, pride things. Be careful of those pride statements right. that are like, you see them as compromised with your wife or husband. And you're just like, I will, I will never. And be careful of those. House. Yeah, exactly. Because careful of those. Because if it's not like sin, biblical stuff, right. like that you're saying, I, 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 and you're setting your face against wickedness. And it's just preference. Just country music. Yeah, exactly. Be careful of those things because they're trivial. They're meaningless. And you might find that your your wife or husband's heart is more important than that trivial matter. Yes. Trivial matter. Yes. And so it's it's something that you, it's like, ah, we then, think we have an idea of who will be forever, but it's almost certainly wrong. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because we don't know what the future holds. Yeah. And I think that's why it's so very important to keep in mind this is not just my marriage. Number one, this is God's. My marriage is God's. Yeah. And then my spouse and I are equal partners in this. Mm -hmm. You know, when you talk about my marriage, my family, it's like, number one, it's God's. Yeah. That he created it. He designed it. He's the Lord of it. So, so I think sometimes even in the Christian households, when we begin to lose our way in our marriages, we, we discount the fact that God is an active participant. Yeah. You know, he's not just a silent witness. He, yeah. he does witness, but he's an active participant in our marriage. Mm -hmm. And the places where we try to exclude him yeah. in relating to our mate and to our spouse or even our children, and we're talking about parenting, parenting. If we exclude God from those places, then it's going to lose its meaning and purpose. Yep. And we're going to be like, what are we even doing anymore? Yeah. But when we keep God at the center of it together with our spouse or our mate, uh, then that's where we get can begin to build something, I believe, that reflects the heart of heaven in our home. Yeah. And if, if somebody's listening to this who isn't in a marriage, but they're dating or they're looking. Watch but, out for freaks. Well, but also consider what we have said is a, oh, I think, a foundational marriage ingredient, which is the God-centered marriage yes. idea. Consider that in who you are pursuing. Exactly. Because it's easy to say things like, well, I'm okay if she or he isn't Christian and, you know, there's not that many fish out there. You start kind of like through a process of fatigue, go, but there's good people that aren't Christian. Just be mindful of, of the function yeah. of a godly institution, covenant marriage. And the purpose for marriage. And the I, purpose for marriage. I be mindful we, of it. We fall into that trap. When I think marriage is really about my happiness mm -hmm. and my fulfillment. Number one, yeah. not that there's not happiness and fulfillment in it. There is. But if the whole point of marriage in my heart and mind is my fulfillment, my happiness, then I'm willing to go out and compromise who and what I'm going to be joined to Yeah, because I'm, I'm chasing the wrong goal. Yep. But if I understand, man, God created marriage to fulfill his design in me. Yeah. And if I connect with the wrong person that mm -hmm. doesn't have that goal and that, that same heart on marriage... I might never discover, never discover God's design and purpose yeah. in my life. Yeah. Because he won't be the active participant in both of our lives like it should be. Yeah. Because if our goal is exclusively our own happiness, right. that becomes an incredibly selfish ambition. Yes. And we've got to go beyond just my happiness. We've got to go beyond. We've got to look to higher esteemed goals and higher elevated places of godliness because in godliness, there's something that's more profound than just, I feel good. 
I feel happy. I feel positive. You make me feel positive right now. Thus, this is good. It goes beyond that. It's much deeper than that. There's true peace. There's eternal expressions of righteousness. There's character. uh, There's hope. There's faith. There's love. There's ingredients beyond just the concept of, do I feel happy? Right. And, and that's, and that's important to pursue a a higher goal than just, do I feel happy? Absolutely. And, and bound up in all of that. I think these relationships that God created between us are to teach us and tutor us what intimacy looks like. Mm -hmm. You know, when God presents himself to us, he presents himself in every possible meaningful relationship there is, you know, he's a father, he's a spouse, you know, we're, we're the bride, he's the bridegroom. He's a brother. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Like every relationship we have on the planet, yeah, he portrays himself in that way. So mm-hmm. in our marriages, working toward intimacy in marriage really ought to be the training wheels of how we work towards intimacy with God. Yeah, It's a picture. It's a visible picture of God's invisible grace. That's why it's called a sacrament of marriage. That's what that is. Yeah. It's a visible image of the invisible God. Mm-hmm. So when I'm working to to get intimacy together with my spouse... God's working on my heart and showing me exactly what intimacy is. And when I draw back from intimacy because, well, they're not cooperating or they're not doing things that I want, I have to learn to work through those things. We have to resolve it. Yeah. We have to overcome it. Yeah. And in same in my relationship with God, well, God, this isn't what I, I thought it was going to be. You're not, you're not the God, like I thought you were going to be. I have to resolve it. Like I have to go to him and we have to work through it Mm -hmm. to maintain those places of intimacy. Mm -hmm. And the practical expression is in my home and in my marriage, rather than just throwing up my hands being like, well, they're just impossible. No, I I try (laughs) to learn, okay, what's going on? Why are we coming to these places where we're talking past each other and we're coming from different directions and can't seem to connect? How do we overcome this? Solving that puzzle with God's help, Mm -hmm. with him being an active participant, really is going to do more than just heal and fix the marriage. It's going to do something internally in my heart and hopefully in my spouse that we both grow. Like we both become greater and better as a result and together. Yeah. There's this idea that I've kind of grasped in my experiences, especially in trial scenarios, where, where I choose to suspend conclusion until I've found God's revelation or heart. Because right. you feel you feel a whole lot and you got a lot of things that you want to make conclusive in a trial or in a fight or yeah. in a frustrating season with I your spouse. Facts. I got I got I know what I think. I she's impossible. What it was she's emotional, she sensational. You got all these thoughts and feelings. Yes. But I would warn against making any of them concrete or conclusive judgments or, or, or conclusions about your spouse marriage situation, suspend them all, like literally suspend them. Are they right? Are they wrong? Don't know. We'll find out. It's suspended. It's inconclusive yet to be determined. And when you go through this journey with the Lord and you look at even the, what, what these trials produce in the word, it produces patience. Yes. And there's a, there's a faith that's produced throughout all of this. So in your trials, don't look within to find the conclusions. How do I feel? These aren't conclusions or revelations that you should stand on. Exactly. How you feel are helpful for you to find a higher revelation or understanding of how God is, his heart, his mind. So your feelings aren't unimportant. They're just not the promised land. Exactly. Yeah. And if you want to get really on a deeper level, this is probably a whole nother session, but part of leaving 
we found in our experience and also in, in so many of the people that we've worked with, issues that come up in marriage are rooted in things that happen in our childhood growing up experience. Yeah. And we talk about leaving. I didn't know the triggers that I had. Yeah. Based on my growing up experience. Yeah. And all of a sudden I feel like my heart is in a life and death struggle in a conflict with my wife. Yeah. And you know, she's the bad guy that's coming after me. And I recognize, no, this is rooted of when I was five years old and I felt like I didn't have a voice and I felt powerless and I felt like, yeah. you know, I was the dummy. There are so many things like that that happen in a marriage. Yeah. And if we're not able to allow God by his Holy Spirit to reveal, give us the revelation of, you know what, this is, this argument even isn't even about what the argument's about. I mean, have you ever found yourself there? Oh, we're yeah. We're arguing, sure. but it's not even about what we're arguing about. A hundred percent. There's something deeper that's happening. And part of the leaving and cleaving process is God, I think, sometimes allows these friction places in our marriage to reveal a heart posture, condition, brokenness, whatever it is that he wants to heal. Yeah. That he wants to restore. And he's just yeah. allowed it to pop out here in this intense discussion you're having in your marriage. Yeah. And then rather than just being upset at your spouse for, you know, causing that or bringing it up or being in this situation, it's like, okay, God, you're redeeming. Yeah. You're redeeming not only my heart, but, but the marriage relationship at the same time. Yeah. Like you're using this as a, because God redeems all things, mm -hmm. even the difficult, painful things. There's a redemptive solution. Mm -hmm. So sometimes my wife really wanted to lean into difficult conversations. And I'm like, please, can we avoid this at all cost? Yeah. <laughs> I don't even want to have this conversation. But going on the, skydiving, going climbing. Yeah. <laughs> but on the other side of that conversation was greater intimacy. On the other side of that mm -hmm. conversation was breakthrough. And I yeah. think women by design are more inclined to have those difficult relationships yeah. overall, not like not a hundred percent. Some guys like to dig it as well, but overall wives are more in three, tune. three guys, three guys. There's three on the planet, three on the planet, <laughs> three. the exception, not the rule. <laughs> but my wife knew she instinctively knew, Hey, we should have this hard conversation so we can resolve this and we can have deeper intimacy. And I'm yeah. like, you just want to kill me. I don't know why you want to talk about this. Yeah. Like I felt like run away, run away, run away. Yeah. But I found over and over and over again, when we had that hard conversation, our love deepened, our intimacy deepened, our understanding of each other deepened. Yeah. It was just scary for me and I didn't want to go there. Yeah. So I think that's something that God uses to heal what we brought into the relationship, the baggage we might have brought with us. Yeah, because as we're growing together and as we're walking this out, there are things that we didn't know we had a, a vision for. Right. Like you didn't know you had a vision for what young married life would be like, but you do. Yeah. You do based on watching others, seeing ones you liked and it embedded in your, your subconscious and embedded in your mind. You're like, I like that. Or you watched your parents and you're like, I like that. I don't right. like that. And those yeah. images and visions are in your head. And sometimes you'll face a crisis you didn't see coming because you experienced a season or a phase of marriage or life that isn't matching up, isn't in conflict with what your vision in your heart was. Right. So it's actually a discovery, constant discovery. You could have beautiful freedom, beautiful breakthrough up to this point, be completely free and then run into bondage you didn't know you had because right. it's new based on that season. Right. You weren't in that, you know, hey, what does my life look like when I'm going to have four kids <laughs> and I'll be 33 years old? I had... Nobody visions in my heart. You. Yeah. No one tells like, you. Yeah. Somebody came with me the other day. They're like, Hey, I got four kids now. Like, what's it like? And I was like, and I was kind of, I was definitely joking. Um, but I was like, yeah, it just doesn't get better. 
Cause they had just gotten into it and I could see their eyes were just like, huh? I was looking for some hope. I was Pastor. looking for hope. Pastor. I literally said the phrase, yeah, there is no light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> and I just saw the light fade from their eyes and I go, no, but honestly, you just, you actually realize you're not trying to get out of it. You just got to ride it out. You just kind of enjoy the darkness and, <laughs> and one, one day they'll move on. Hopefully. But there is something in it that I thought was pretty profound, which is like, stop trying to get to the end of this. Yeah. Yeah. Just enjoy Enjoy the the tunnel. You feel like you'll never get out. You'll feel like you're buried by it, but there's such beauty in the tunnel. There really is. And and stop trying to get to the end of it. It's all good. The great Christian someday when everything is perfect. Yes. There's these different stages. Like I remember when I was single, it's like when I get married. 100%. 100%. When I got married, it was like, oh, when I have that job or that level of income, yeah. I can support my family. Yeah. And then it was in ministry when the ministry is at this point or this level. <laughs> like there's always, always this. When we get there, we're yeah. not getting there. Not not on this earth. No. So it's the where we are today. God, what are you doing right now? If we can lean into that. Yeah. And I think sometimes in marriage, there's a tendency to kind of push off the important things, maybe the important conversations. Because it's like, well, there's more important things to focus on right now. Yeah. Actually, no. This marriage that we're committed in, and this is the most important thing, like your relationship with God, and then it's your marriage. Yeah. That's the most important thing. Mm -hmm. And urgent things can crowd out the important things sometimes. Yeah. We need to intentionally make time for the important things and not let urgency rob us of the richness of what's truly important. Yeah. Wow. This is awesome. Yeah. This is awesome. This is amazing. I think I grew right there. I (laughs) think. Good job, Tim. That was like, no, really good. I like this for myself. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate your insights. And we just want to thank you for listening along with us. And we hope that as we go through this journey this year with our at-home podcast home groups, that you will be able to grow in your marriage, your family, and your spouse. We look forward to meeting with you next time and growing together some more. God bless you. We love you. Bye-bye.